The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hey there. Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Fowdy. I'm Lena Wazawi. And to give a heads up to our dope village, you are in for some laughs. This episode, dare I say, <laughs> is snort worthy. That's because our guest is NBC sports host Rebecca Lowe. And I have known Rebecca for many years. And the one thing you know when you hang with Rebecca is there will be lots of laughs. Like lots of laughs. And true to form, she did not disappoint. Rebecca is the lead studio host of NBC's Premier League coverage. And she has also served as the daytime host of NBC's Olympic coverage since 2014. Rebecca got her big break in 2002 when she won a BBC television talent competition for a football, a.k.a. soccer, reporter. And since then, she has worked her way to the very top of the broadcasting field. And as you'll hear, though, it wasn't always smooth sailing. As is so often the case, incredible things come on the heels of tough moments. So put on that kettle and you went to Woolies. <laughs> Because even though it's fall, Laughter Permitted is about to have a British invasion. So get comfortable listening. It's Rebecca Lowe. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling all right. Mama, I miss you. Hi, I miss you. It's been freaking ages. I haven't seen you since Japan, right? Over in Tokyo. Yeah. In our bubble. Crazy. In our lovely bubble. Aww. Thank you, one, for doing this. So welcome. Two, the first thing we always start with, Rebecca, is we have our guests set the scene. Uh -oh. So what you doing, how you're doing, all these things. Okay, so I am in our little office in our house in Northern California, just outside Sacramento, about 30 minutes towards Lake Tahoe, outside of Sac, and it's middle of the morning, and Teddy is at school, my husband is out on a meeting, I think, so I have the calm house. Oh, isn't that the best? Oh my God. <laughs> Is it bad that I love that so much? Me too. <laughs> I even enjoy doing laundry when there's no one in the house. Me too. I have like the radio on, maybe some music, yeah. and I just potter around and nobody talks to me. Yes. It's amazing. I am the best potter around. You're a potterer. I'm a potter. I call it putzing. I'm so good at putzing. <laughs> yeah. Putzer. You're a putzer and I'm a potterer. <laughs> potterer. <laughs> so that's my scene. It's joyous, absolutely joyous. And of course, it's California, so the sun's shining. Yeah. Oh. Okay, the cutest little post of Teddy going to his first day of school. And then that, like, all the little things they had on the lawn. I was like, oh my God, where are you, little utopia? It was oh. so cute. It was I very know. happy well, and Julie. green. Jules. It's America, I right? Know. So it's... everything is a big deal. I mean, do we ever have a week where there's not something to celebrate? And by the way, when I first got here, I think I did an Instagram post about the fact that you have to have a different wreath on your door and you've got to change it every couple of weeks, right? Problem is, I've bought into it. Resist. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I'm all in. I've got a wreath on my door with friggin' witch's legs hanging off the bottom of it. And then I exchange that out for the pumpkin one next week. Then it'll be the Christmas one. Then no doubt I'll have a Valentine's Day one. Then it'll be friggin' Easter and then some sort of spring wreath. And then we'll head into July the 4th wreath. And then we'll do a back to school wreath with like a pencil hanging off it. And that is America, right? So when Teddy's first day at school, that's a holiday too. It's first day at school cookies. It's first day at school on the lawn. 
Like everything is a big deal, but I cannot be mean about it because you know what? I'm American now, so I'm oh. all in. Slow, I love it. Four, back, feet, jumping. Uh, uh, I know. Um, so Rebecca, yeah. I Lynn always asks, "Where did you guys first meet?" When whenever we have a guest, okay. and I suffer from uh, CRS. <laughs> I don't know if you suffer What's from that, that as well. Can't remember shit syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I actually was okay. like, I know when I first yeah. met Rebecca, I think. Go on. Confirm. Confirm okay. or deny this. I think I'm going to confirm it. Go on. 2011 Women's World Cup. Yes! In Germany! Yes! yes! And you were Ian Duck's co-commentator. Yeah. And I was I was the secondary host to Bob Lee, and we were in that big bus in Germany just traveling. Was that like, yeah. like the best too? I have the best memories of that. It was, and you know what was funny was, I was at a point in my career where I was thinking I'm never really going to get to where I want to get to, and I was having hmm. thoughts about, I'm 10 years in, you know what, I think, I think I've reached the point where no one's going to take me any more seriously than being a sideline reporter and I'm never going to be a host. And I'm just, I think I'm going to probably start thinking about another career. And ESPN UK, who I was the sideline reporter for the Premier League for four years during that time, said to me that ESPN USA would like you to go to Germany to do the Women's World Cup. And I'm thinking, I don't think I want to do that. And I said to Paul, I don't think I want to do that. I just, it's just, what's it going to lead to? It's literally going to lead to nothing. I just don't want to do it. I just want to have my summer, blah, blah, blah. And he yeah. was like, you're going. I was like, oh, oh okay. And when my husband says you're going, I'm going. So yeah. that led to doing the Euros the yeah, following the summer in year. Bristol. Yeah. And then weirdly, who was watching that was my now boss, Pierre Musa, yeah. at the time that, because do you remember, Jules? We were, um, yeah. we were in a meeting room during the Euros, Euro 2012. And I remember Amy Rosenfeld walked in and said, ESPN have lost the rights to the Premier League. ESPN and Fox, I think, had lost the rights yeah. and NBC had got them. It yeah. went straight over my head. I got no idea, but everyone else was devastated. And then Pierre was watching Euro 2012 and then the rest is history. So the 2011 yeah. World Cup for me was a, a huge, huge part of my journey and also meeting you. <laughs> We had we had Lynn. It was in. I'm just going to ask. What are the shenanigans? It, it was oh, the last so World Cup we had for women because yeah. we had 14 for men. That was our That's very right. last for ESPN. That ESPN. Yeah, yeah. That ESPN had, but it was our last one for women, and um, we didn't know it at the time it would be our last because I don't think we'd lost the bid yet. But uh, we decided ESPN as a company we were going to blow this thing up, and they rented this huge. We called it Big Blue. Big, Big Blue. It was a huge bus that they rolled to That's each right. venue, like big game, yeah. like USA games, and the sides would drop down and it would become the set. Yeah, that and we'd park it in the middle of like a town's square. Yeah, we'd just go and turn up at Dresden, and just in the middle of the city of Dresden, we would just ride there with our set. It was, it was, a, yeah, that was amazing, and we went yeah. all over the place, every city. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, and they, you had Brandy and Bry and Mia. And so we just spent hours together and just got to know each other so well. And everyone yeah. was just fantastic. It was a it was a time. It was a time. That was fun. Yeah. That was good time. So that's it. That was a tw 11 years ago. So Rebecca, I'm admittedly not a Premier League fan. I think the only <gasps> one on this call. I know, gas. Only one in the world. Okay. So hopefully by this end of this conversation, maybe I can get a team. It seems that having a team yeah. is key to follow. Yes. So I, that I, hopefully I can get there eventually. Okay, yeah. And it's possible maybe some members of our dope village aren't as familiar with the Premier League as you and Julie. So can you tell us about your role with NBC? Sure. So it started, this is my 10th season. I'm the studio host, uh, which means getting up at an insane hour <laughs> yes. every Saturday and Sunday, like 3 a.m. What happens is in the UK is that there are three companies who share the broadcast rights. So Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Amazon split all the games between them over the course of the weekend, which means that there are one, two, three, four, five, five or six broadcast windows. But in America, NBC own the whole lot, which means that we have to do every single game, which is brilliant because it means you're so fully enveloped in this league that you you're just you can't help but know everything about it. But it means long shows. So Saturday we are on, on air at seven, off air at three p.m. and we do wow. shows, uh, three games back to back. Sunday on air at eight, off air at I think two thirty something like that. Two games back to back, and then there's often a Friday game or a Monday game, um, which I sometimes do, sometimes don't. 
and it's relentless because it starts in early August and it finishes in late May. So it's basically every weekend, barring a few for international breaks. Um, And it's just wall to wall. And as Jules will know, and anyone who follows the Premier League, it's like an ongoing, never ending soap opera. My job is very much weekends and I come home and I'm sort of like a stay at home mum, Monday to Friday, which I love. But within the stay at home mum, Lynn, I have to have talk sport radio or podcasts on to keep me, because it's like missing five episodes of Days of Our Lives and then trying to come (laughs) to like Saturdays and know what's happening, right? So you have to keep up with it. So essentially I'm always working because I'm always listening, always reading, always checking what's happening because it, it is it is an incredible roller coaster and a soap opera. And it's also one of the most unpredictable leagues in the world. So probably the most unpredictable and also the most popular. So it's got a lot going for it. It's super lucrative. It's in my blood and it's and it's the biggest, I would say it's the probably the biggest league in the world, I would say of any sport. I know yeah. NFL is big, but in terms of worldwide, I think it's in 192 countries. That's how oh, many. Oh, that's interesting. I've never it. even yeah. thought of it that way. Oh, You're right. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Because they sell broadcast rights to 100, I want to say 192 countries. I don't know how many countries are in the world, but it's just a few more than that. Whereas I think NFL sells to a fraction of that in comparison. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, it is the biggest league in the world, yeah. And, and Lynn, NBC has literally, I think you have been this gift to EPL, don't you think, here in the United States in terms of growth? What you've done in the last decade, the popularity, I mean, that Philly Fan Fest, for example, oh my God, which I know all these fan fests are always crazy. They do, what was that, your eighth, I think you yeah. said? Mm-hmm. They do these fan fests in America where they actually host it live and there's a broadcast and the fans come out in the middle of the night. Oh my God. But it So it's is, kind of like college game day. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's just been so interesting to see how yeah. many Americans follow it. I mean, you see, honestly, you see more Premier League jerseys, I think, yeah. on kids than you do U.S. Oh, jerseys. Just without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. And I think, oh, I was going to say also, I would say I see more Premier League jerseys than any other sporting jersey bar none. Yeah. Where, you know, when I'm out and about because... It's and it's not weird anymore. When I first came over here in 2013, if I saw yeah. somebody with like a Chelsea shirt or a Chelsea bag on their uh, sticker on their bag or in their car, I'd be like, oh, take a photo. Oh my God, there's a Premier League fan. <laughs> I, I would say I've already seen one today. Somebody at the gym had a Chelsea bag. Friday, dropping my kid off at school, his dad was wearing an Arsenal shirt. It's every <laughs> single day I see them. And I, you can just tell the way the country it has grown and NBC yeah. has to take a huge credit for that because what they did was they decided they were going to show every single game and they were going to make every game big so on yeah. the whole because occasionally scheduling um nips us but on the whole we get you know we do full pre-game half-time post-game yeah. for every match whether it's Bournemouth against Brighton or Manchester United against Arsenal we we care about all 20 and make sure that all the fans yeah. are catered for and these fan fests now we had 14,000 people in Philadelphia yeah. over two days it's it's insane. Yeah, and these people and they queuing up. They're queuing up at eleven thirty the night before. The queue is wrapping around City Hall in yeah. Philadelphia just to yeah. get in. And the the joyous vibe is unlike yeah. anything I've ever experienced. Yeah. Ian Wright, who Lynn Ian Wright is a, a former player who played for Arsenal, who is incredibly famous, incredibly successful, yeah. just the greatest guy. He's, came he's out. awesome. And he covers he the women's game like no He covers else. the women's game. In fact, he yeah. was at the draw, wasn't he, yeah. um, this he's week? Fa- he's, he's He's wonderful. And he came out to Philly FanFest as a Premier League ambassador. And he said to me, I saw him in the elevator of the hotel after Sunday. These things are exhausting and they, they are, yeah, they, they kind of rinse you out. But he said, we got into the elevator and he said, Bex, he said, that's the best thing I've ever been to football-wise in my life. And this is a guy who's been and done everything. And he said, yeah. I cannot get over that there's Tottenham fans asking for my autograph and having a selfie because he played for Arsenal, their arch rivals. Yeah. He said, in England, I just get punched in the face. I was like, yeah, that's England for you. Couldn't do it in England. There would be hooliganism. There would be police. I mean, it would. this would never happen in England. We could never, ever, ever do it in England. Um, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't work. But in America, you guys come out for... An event. You guys make everything big. You guys have, in fact, I should get a Again, Premier League wreath. You're gonna have, you're gonna have a fan fest wreath. <laughs> I am with all the little teams on it. I should because it's you guys, honestly, and you make everything good and everything is. I remember I first went to a, I went to a soccer game right at, um, when my husband was the head coach of Sacramento Republic, and this was about 2015. And I hadn't been to any soccer games really since coming to America. And I went to this game, 
And for the first 30 minutes, I was like, what the hell's going on? Sit down, everybody. Stop going to get your popcorn. This is a game of bloody football. But now, five years on, six years on, I'm kind of like, you guys just turn up for the event to enjoy the experience. Yeah. It's not like, this is religion and we're going to hate the opposition. And we just, you know, it's... It's just a nicer feel to it. It's all performative. That's all it is. <laughs> everything we do. I love this it. This is I'm a perfect in. social media moment. <laughs> I know. It's true. It's all for the snap. I love it. It is. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. What uh, do you attribute the growth to beyond your show? Or what have you seen in the last, or maybe because um, of your show, what have you seen I, in the last 10 years? I think the growth has got to do with the way NBC of, of have put it out there, but also luckily the timing. So if you wake up on a Saturday and Sunday morning, there's no other sport limb available for you to watch. And if you're a sports family of which there are tons, it's the only thing up there. So we're not in, on, on the whole, we're not in direct competition with any other That's, sporting, yeah, yeah, sporting um, show. Yeah, so we have our little captive audience. I think also social media has played a huge part because before, you know, if you were watching I don't know, if you're watching Ronaldo the first time round at Manchester United and you were watching him, say, from New York on Fox or whatever it was, whoever had it before, he was so far, you know, there was just no way of really feeling connected to Manchester United and Ronaldo. Now, it's a simple thing to say, but now with social media, you can watch him, you can follow him, you can follow Manchester United, you feel mm. much more, everything has become easier. You can, simple things like talk sport, you can now listen to that in this country. So you just download yeah. the app and you have that which is something that everyone listens to in the UK. Same with Sky Sports News. I think we show some Sky Sports News on Peacock. So there's like a, the world has got smaller and which has allowed mm. the Premier League to spread quicker. But also this country is the last area of the world to wake up to football. And I mean, wake up to the levels of South America mm. and Europe and Africa. And I always said, 10 years ago, I said, it's it's like America has one, it's like a big monster and it's asleep and when it, and it's opening one eye and when it opens both <laughs> eyes, the world is in trouble because the you F out. win the World Cup every four years. I mean, it's going to be a disaster for everybody else. But because <laughs> of the facilities you have, the size of the country and the way that you approach hmm. sport, yeah. um, this country has so much potential. And I think that the Premier League, because of the stories that it provides, the way you can access it on TV, the time of the day, the social media side of it, and also the content, the content is, is so good, that the football mm -hmm. is so good. The other, the other thing is that a lot of parents don't want their kids to play American football because of the safety, so they throw towards soccer and then it mm -hmm. becomes, it's trendy. There's so many reasons, but it's also the fact that it's a, the blooming best game in the world. And America <laughs> just hasn't been allowed to be exposed to that enough right. over the years. So now it's becoming, you know, Americans are no different from Peruvians or Spanish or Brits, they're the same humans. So as soon as you expose that those humans to what we've all had for all these years, there's a reason why we all love it. There's a reason why it's the best game in the world, like mm -hmm. fact. So Americans <laughs> waking up to it. There you go. There it is. <laughs> I'm gonna clip that and put on a reel. I, uh, I will say too, the other really cool thing about it is it's multi-generational. Like my kids enjoy sitting, watching it. So we get up in the morning and it's on, right? I'm married yeah. to a Brit. I get it. Like it's yeah. going to be on all the time. It always has been, but yeah. that's our family tradition. It's like, you're the first voice we hear every yeah. weekend morning. It's very comforting. That's what so many, it's funny. That's yeah. actually the biggest message I got at FanFest from the fans. Cause that's so often when you're in the studio, Jules, you know, it's like, you saw, is anyone watching yeah. out there? Like, are we just yeah. getting up at four in the morning and no one's actually watching? Yeah. When you go to these fan fests and you meet the people who watch you, they, you know, they all say like, oh my gosh, I have my sausages and egg and you, to your <laughs> voice. And I'm like, this is very weird. But you know, at the same time, thank you. And I, I feel like I'm in their home and they feel like that and it's yeah it's so lovely but the multi-generational thing is so true it's so true and now i watch teddy playing the only downside is oh my god he is he mimic, mimics everything so he'll mimic a goal celebration so yesterday on saturday he did, had a he had a game and when he scored he did like the harry kane i don't know what harry kane does but he did it then he did the <laughs> yoga one that um harland did i'm yeah, like oh lord yeah. but he also falls over a lot and gets injured a lot because they get injured all the time so teddy like rolls he does like 10 rolls i'm like ted oh my god, sorry he's got the south american blood in him too yeah i know i'm like ted get up sorry he watches so much premier league i have to like apologize to everyone else because he just yeah i mean they are role models they i'm now realizing that more than ever because he just copies everything he sees is there ever a moment when you're doing television whether it's olympics or premier league where you're like holy shit look at me i am doing this i am hot shit because you should 
you I hope you do. <laughs> or no, just like, I, I mean, seeing uh, the trajectory. I saw your Instagram post the other day, where yeah. just this week, where you were saying, gosh, these last two decades, I would have, you know, I had dreamt this, but now I'm living yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's really important, Jules, to, to be present and in the moment. And I'm the worst person for that. I'm, I'm like, right, what have I got next? And what have I got tomorrow? And like, you know, you just, you, right, be here now. Exactly. There you go. Perfect, right? And I try so hard to be here now. And, and it's it's like a discipline in your brain, isn't it? It's yeah. retraining your brain to just calm down, slow down, and just be in the moment. So I do make myself have moments. And they do normally have a gin and tonic involved at an airport <laughs> somewhere somewhere where I'm by myself and I can just take a moment to reflect. And so that was the other day when I wrote that. But I, yeah, I I do have the odd moment where I'm, I and they come at the most random of times. You know, we could be in a commercial break of a, just a regular Saturday and I just stop and I like say to myself, oh my God, like 10 years ago, you were thinking of giving all this up and now yeah. this is what you're doing and... It, yeah, and the Olympics for sure. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? Because I didn't know anything about the Olympics before I started that. <laughs> You're um, so good at it. Too. Oh, oh it's... You, I was telling Lynn before we started this uh, interview, I said, you know, in television, as we know, the most respected, best commentators or analysts or whatever you do, journalists, just get so much vitriol from and and on Twitter or from both sides, right? Mm. Like you love, there's people who love them, there's people who hate yeah. them. I said, literally, I have never, ever, <laughs> ever heard anyone say anything negative about Rebecca. Oh God. Like, and that- I looked hard enough. No, that, that is, everyone That's you so talk nice. to is like, Rebecca, Lady Lou. <laughs> that is so nice i i I mean i do that's so nice i I don't that's amazing yeah i i I think it's i think it's just this little world of football that we live in is is so supportive and it's i don't know it's just that's so it's so nice that is so nice i said to lynn because you're just so damn good at what you do and you strike the perfect tone too which isn't always easy because you, you have so much personality as well. And yet you like want it to, to get it out of your analyst rather than it be you focused. Oh, I think that's really important. I think as a, as a host, I think that I have some pet hates and peeves and all that. And one mm-hmm. of them is I don't like shows where the host is the star. I just don't, yeah. I, I just don't like that. I just don't think that's what you're there for, whether that's on radio or TV. I just think it, it is all of, I mean, I, what, seriously, what, what do I know? I've never played the game. I am literally, my job is to represent the person sat at home watching. So if Lynn tuned in this weekend, I want Lynn to think of questions that, that I, or I should think of questions that Lynn might have. You know, that's, that's exactly what my job is. My job mm-hmm. is to get out of the analyst stuff to educate Lynn. It's not to be the star. And I think that's really, really important because I just don't mm-hmm. like it when it's the other way around. It's, it's really, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not the right way around. Although, I, you know, there are times where I'm thinking, I'm asking a question. I'm like, oh my God, can you stop up? Stop it. Stop talking. And I'm like 20 <laughs> seconds into a question. And I'm saying to myself, shut up, finish the question. And then I keep asking quick. Oh God. So I'm, I'm still We can't on. relate to that at all. We, yeah, we, yeah. Don't, we don't know what that feels like at no, all. Uh-uh. <laughs> never I never had that thought, experience. shut up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in my job, because on my show, it's like, okay, one minute, 30 chat. I'm like, geez. And then it's like a, you know, 20 second voice. So everything is so to the second and yeah. so disciplined that you can't take up all the time. You have to you have to be as you know, short and sharp as you possibly can. But yeah, it's it's a great job. It's a great, it's a great, it is a great job. And it's certainly not something I thought I would be doing if you'd said to me 10 years ago, no way. Mm. So this Saturday, how many hours of live TV will you do? Uh, Saturday will be eight and that, Sunday I think seven. That is a lot. There's yeah. a lot of live TV. And yeah. the thing about live TV that all of us know is that at some point, the shit will hit the fan. Every single show, yep. <laughs> so I was wondering if you have a most epic moment of the shit hitting the fan and how you worked your way through oh, it. Oh, gosh. I have to think about that. I mean, the shit, it hits the fan a lot in live TV, especially in sport, because you can't... So we don't have a script or anything. We have a vague wow. running order format, and then we just react as we go to depending on what happens. So, wow. yeah, so I don't, there is no, there's a, there's a rough plan, but very often the entire format from between game one and game two goes out the window and I just have to put a big line through it and start again and just write it. So, but you know what? It's funny because over 10 years ago, a little bit more than that, I was um, 
reading the sports news on the BBC 24 hour news channel, a bit like CNN in the UK. And it was reading off the prompter. I would write my own scripts, but I'd read off the prompter and it would be eight bulletins a day. And I was doing that three days a week, four days a week. And I would just at the beginning, super nervous and would really enjoy it and read off the prompter and be all like smart in my suit in the studio. <laughs> and then as the years went by, one or two years went by, I was like, this is so boring. So boring. <laughs> I used to go on air and hope like somebody would die or something would happen <laughs> so bad. Or like there was, a, there was a game going on. Please let there be a goal while I'm talking or a sending off or an injury so or something I that I could talk about because yeah. I was so bored. So now all these years later, I, I hate using a prompter. I won't use one. I just, I need to feel that I can just go with whatever the flow is, um, which I think makes for better TV. It just makes for better TV if it's more natural. In terms of when the SHIT hits the fan, um, there are, I can't even narrow it down. I mean, I'd have to have a really good think because that has happened. And I, I, I kind of love it, kind of. I mean, I tell you what, one, when the Manchester United fans broke into the stadium about two years ago, do you remember it was a- Yes. Oh my yes. God. Lynn, we were building up to Manchester United against Liverpool and it was during COVID. So no fans were allowed in and the uh -huh. Manchester United fans hate the owners. And we're building up, we're building up. And suddenly they're like, um, in my ear, they were like, just so you know, it's the Manchester United fans have broken into the stadium. They're rampaging around. They're throwing cameras everywhere. They're on the pitch. I'm like, what? So then we're, then we're into news mode. And I was like, I'm some, some, some sort of CNN host. And we're just like, and that was a big, that was a big story. That was a big deal. So we've had a moments like that where the whole yeah. show, because then the game was postponed. The whole show goes out the window. Yeah. But to be honest, so many times that it's hit the fan. And I just, the more... SHIT that hits the fan, the happier I am. That's the thing. It takes a certain yeah. person. I think, do you yeah. think, is it that you have ice in your veins? Is it that you enjoy the rush? What skill set or ability do you have where you're able to do that? I think it comes down to reps and I think it comes down to knowledge. So, as because mm. if, if, if it hit the fan and I didn't know the subject yeah. matter, oh my God, I feel like I would throw <laughs> up. Like, imagine, yeah. like sometimes on the Olympics, if they're like, Imagine if we're on sort of a rowing segment and they're like, Anna, if you could just ad lib for the next three minutes about rowing. No, no, can't do that. Can't do that. that is terrifying because that would be a disaster. The only good thing is that nobody watching would know what the hell I was talking about anyway because nobody knows anything about rowing. But in football, because I know the material inside out, I feel very safe. So pretty much anything can happen. So it's all about prepare. You know, I always over prepare, always have done since I was 21. In fact, my whole life, I've just been a complete nerd and I just always over-prepare for everything, do more homework yeah. than is required. I'm one of those people. Um, reps, so experience, without a mm -hmm. doubt experience. I remember the very first time I put an earpiece in, uh, this was at the BBC, and I was like, how on earth am I going to talk when someone is talking? <laughs> right, right. Can you explain that for people at home? I don't know how to explain that because I'm one of these people, Lynn, who, if I'm on the phone in my normal life and my husband starts saying to me, oh, tell them, I'm like, shut up! <laughs> I, I am so bad at that. And he's like, you do it for a living. I don't care. Just, I can't listen to you. And it makes me, it makes my blood boil, right? So I can't do it on the phone. But when it's in my ear and it's something about the show, I can do it. I really have no answer as to how. I think it's practice. And then, you know, hitting zero and everything. I remember at the BBC, because this rolling news channel was just, you know, never off TV. And so the people would be on shift the whole time. And I remember being on, doing one of the early shifts and reading from the prompter. And I could hear, because in England, we have open talkback. We don't have this thing called closed talkback. So in America, if somebody wants to talk to <sighs> the producer, yeah. they press a button and say, Rebecca, go to the graphic next, right? In yeah. England, ain't no pressing the button. You're hearing- You hear everything? Oh, mm -hmm. oh Jules, I'm sitting there reading the sports news and I can hear the guy ordering a friggin' pizza. <laughs> yeah, can I get a pepperoni? Yeah, make it stuffed crust. I'm like, no worries, I'll just do the friggin' sports news. I get so pissed when they do that to us. I'm like, oh. can you, can you unkey my, I know. No, I know. my mic? Yeah, yeah. Well, when oh I my first God, my ear. To... I, I'm always like, my ear, my ear. I know, you give the face to the camera. But when I moved here, I was like, I'm naked, I'm naked, I can't hear anything. They're like, it's okay, we're here. I'm like, I need to hear everything. I need to hear the graphics, I need to hear the pizza orders. And they're like, no, you don't, no, you don't. I was like, okay, now, God knows if I'd ever be able to work in England again, because now I I'm got so used to the American way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, 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 that whole, that whole earpiece TV side of the, of the, of the job is just experience. Once you get into it and you have enough reps, you can then handle anything, I think.
watched the women's game explode. I mean, you've seen it explode in England. You yeah, saw, um, crazy. obviously, your English women win the Euros and then beat us in October, whatevs. I know. Amazing. Raise your hands Incredible. in the air. Incredible. <laughs> I know. That was that was amazing. Uh, and I know you, as we were discussing, you started your career covering women. So what mm. has been your reaction to seeing it just really take off, though, in the last couple of years? Jules, it's not. it's absolutely not expected in, for in, it adds this quickly i did not expect this i mean when i started in 2002 and at the bbc and i was covering men's football as well but if there's ever a, a feature for the magazine show on the bbc where we had to go and interview kelly smith or it was always me and then the female producer pretty much because nobody else wanted to do it yeah. and i was a woman so i should cover women's football and then it was the euros in 2005 and i was a sideline reporter for that and to to and that was in england euro 2005 yeah. and to right. witness the can we fill the stadium? We just about filled the stadium, but no one in the stadium really knew any of the names of the players. They were just doing it as a day out with their kids, with their girls, not even with their boys, but with their girls. Mm -hmm. um, it was so different. And talking to those players back then, constantly saying, you know, how do you think if you do well at Euro 2005, how do you think this will help the women's game? And, and really, you know, the World Cup in 07, it was a little bit bigger. And it's, very, it's been so slow that I kind mm -hmm. of thought England was too far gone down the men's football line to really embrace women's football. But what's changed, I believe, is the approach to women in every industry around the world, whether mm. it's the Me Too movement, you know, Time's mm. Up, all of that, which has helped us all to feel like we're more empowered. Right. And I do think that the marketing of, in England, of the women's game, the broadcasters paying the money to put it on BBC One, to put right. it on ITV, to put it on the right. big networks. The, the broadcasters putting their frontline hosts on it, not getting yeah. the, the young 24-year-old yeah. girl because she, no one else wants to do it. Oh, she can right. do it. She can learn her. Let her learn her trade on women's football. Like, right. well, the women's footballers aren't learning their trade. Why, why right. are we doing this? Right. So that has helped. So I think this kind of push to try and get some sort of equality has definitely helped. And then by doing that, everyone's like, Oh, it's quite good, isn't it? Well, it's actually quite good. I mean, my dad's a perfect example. So when yeah. I was working on it in 2004, 5, 6, he would watch me host England women's games because he would watch me host. So he would watch the pregame, go off and have dinner, come back, watch halftime to watch his daughter, go off and do whatever, come back and watch the postgame, right? right? This summer when he came to stay, I couldn't get him to stop talking about Beth Mead and the England, the Lionesses. Oh. I'm like, Dad, you do know that 17 years ago, uh, that was the same, you know, that was the England team. He's like, I know. But back then, nobody watched it. I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> and now my dad, who's 73, yeah. was watching all of Euros. So I'm so proud. I could not be happier that this is, ha I just, I cannot believe yeah. it's happened so soon. It gives me great strength in other areas of this world that yeah. we are heading in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it is taken off over there. Yeah. That, that, I, I, we called the, um, the European final. And it felt very much like a 99ers kind of moment where you just yeah. saw this country awakening yeah. to yeah. the, you know, oh, oh my gosh, this is quite good. Yeah, so exactly. So I was like, oh. I mean, you're saying it happened quickly in a sense that it turned quickly, but you also were so. saying, you know, yeah. it, it took a long... I suppose a lot of groundwork was done quietly behind yeah. the scenes for a long time to be able, including the quality of the play, to, yeah. be, ab to be able to support this, what I now see almost as quite... I mean, a, a classic example is Talk Sport Radio. When I, when I left university, I went to Talk Sport to answer the phones and make tea. Yeah. I was one of three women one was me one was a traffic and travel reporter and one was the scariest boss i've ever had she was but she wasn't really on the sports side she was just a scary boss other than that it was all men and women's what, football what would be well, an american equivalent to talk sport oh uh like your local like your local uh, i don't know your, like local your local sports, ESPN, radio. espn radio yeah like your yeah. local but this is, so in England, because we're so small, this is national, but it would be like your local sports talk radio where all they talked about was sports. Okay. And pretty much talk sport, all they talk about is football, but they do have others as well. But it was yeah. the most mis misogynistic, uh, testosterone-fueled office. I, I cannot tell you some of the stories. And I, I remember women's football, somebody brought it up and it was, everyone just took the piss. I mean, nobody, nobody right. took it seriously, right? This is 2002. And you think now, yeah. It is, I can't turn on the radio without, if there's a, a night of Premier League football, but there's also some WSL, they'll have a reporter at every WSL game and every Premier League. This is, I cannot believe it's the same radio station. Yeah. I know it's 20 years later, but right. this is, I never thought that would happen, Jules, ever. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's happening. And that yeah. changes people's minds because the men that listen to talk sport, oh, you know, the big macho testosterone fueled men, I don't like women's football. Well, hang on a second. The, the guy on the radio who hosts the show that I listen to, he likes it. Well, if he likes it, then I should right. take, well, mm, hang on, right. let me take an interest. You know, that's how you change yeah. minds, but you've got yeah. to get people on board. And, yeah. and broadcasters play a big part in that, big part. Yeah. Mm. It is great to see because it does definitely feel like a cultural shift. Yeah. Okay. The Lynn game. Get your squeaky toy out, Rebecca. It's time. So you're about to go head to head with Julie in a yes. trivia game. Wetting up. Oh, trivia? About what? <laughs> I will let you know in just a moment. Julie does not know either, so it'll be level playing field. Hashtag terrified. Okay. There are five questions. Okay. Best of five wins. It's all multiple choice. Oh my God. I'm incredibly competitive, <laughs> slightly sweaty, and very excited. Okay. If I, if I lose, I'm going to probably cry. Okay, let's go. I think you just described Julie. <laughs> That's why we're friends. Very the slightly sweaty part in particular. I, 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 might, I might be pitting right now. Am I? Uh, I don't I see am. it. Are, Are you? Maybe a I don't, little. I don't see it. I think the lack of, I think the lack of the pixelation is very helpful. Okay. Just, just keep putting your armpit closer to your computer camera yeah, so we can see. Do that. The theme of this game is what does a British owl say? And that is a what? deep cut head lasso reference for anyone out there listening who got it. High five. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm a deep Lynn. Ted Lasso fan and I did not Me get too. that. I didn't get that either. And I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. Lynn, yeah. can I ask a quick question? Am yes. I allowed to interrupt? If I know it before you've even started yes. on that, okay, yeah. I'd just like to know the rules. I could be two <laughs> yeah. words into the question. If you know it, okay. go for it. I've okay. never done that. So all of the questions are about Ted Lasso. Oh God. Yes. Oh no. Okay. All right. I was in the original Ted Lasso. Do you guys remember that? That commercial back in 2014? Oh, right, 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 yeah. Right? Which is, like, well, it's a promo for NBC, right? Yeah, I'm essentially, way, way essentially, yeah. I'd like to take the credit for the whole TV show. If you I think you should. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm ready. Oh no, I've got terrible memory. Okay. Question one. Okay, that was just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Preemptive squeaking, not allowed. <laughs> okay. Okay. What is the mascot of AFC Richmond? Oh, for goodness sake. Is it A, a greyhound? B, Rebecca? A greyhound. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else you're going to say, and I know that that... Is it a greyhound? Correct. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> oh, yes. Early start. Scored too soon. Okay. <laughs> strong start. Strong oh, start. So sweaty. So Even sweaty, after the preemptive squeak, strong start. Strong start. Okay. Question two. What is the name of AFC Richmond Stadium? Oh. Is it A, Nelson Road Stadium, B, Cherry Road Stadium, or C, Whitmore Road Stadium? Uh, Rebecca. Nelson Road. Correct. Oh, yeah. Oh, 2-0 up. Dangerous scoreline, 2-0. Very dangerous, though. Very dangerous. 2-0. Always hard. Okay, next. Of course. Always, always the oh threat of getting it, complacent. Yeah, and you can lose 3-2, and I'm very serious about this. Okay, next. Question three. What actor plays the title role of Ted Lasso? Jason Sudeikis. I was in first. Oh, no, you. Jeez, I squeaked first. 2-1, 2-1. You will, I actually do think that Rebecca got the squeak in first, but we're going to give it to Julie just to keep it, oh, keep no, it interesting. No, just to be fair. Interesting. No. Oh, You'll yeah. See in the bar you want to rewind the tape? Rewind can, the bar. We can rewind the tape, girlfriend. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. I'm ready. Question four. What actress plays AFC oh. Julie? Hannah. You don't even know who it's going to be. Uh, Yes. Uh, who plays Rebecca. No, uh, she didn't say that. Did you say Rebecca? I did not. I did not finish the question. No, she just said which actress plays. But please answer the question. Mm-hmm. Hannah. 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 What, does she have a last name? Or she just no, I don't know what's her she last name. name. Just amazing. Uh, amazing. Hannah. Amazing. Shit. I don't know either. So it's okay. Uh, it's the W. I want to oh, say. Oh, it does uh, start with a W. Uh, Whitting. Whittingham. What? Incorrect. Whittingham. Now it's going to Rebecca. I, I know. I'm just squeaking to say, yeah. please, could I have the multiple choice? <laughs> Shit. I got excited. Whittingham is incorrect. 
So to complete the question, what actress plays AFC Richmond owner Rebecca Welton? Uh, Is it A, Hannah Waddingham, B, Emily Blunt, or C, Emma Watson? um, Hannah Waddingham. Ah, damn it! (laughs) You went too soon. You went so too soon. Okay, 3-1. You win. Best of five. Give me the last one. Give me the last one. What is Danny Rojas' famous phrase? Football is life. Oh, come on. I could have won it all. Congratulations, Rebecca. You just took the Ted Lasso-themed game. Champion. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, it's fun. We... Our second segment we do after the Lynn game is usually called Most Pressing Questions, but in honor of Lowdown, which I love, by the way, <laughs> we're going to call it Lowdown. Thanks. Okay, you have to pay um, NBC some money, but that's absolutely fine. Yes, and it's not sponsored by Lexus. But um, All right, Lynn, are you first? I think you're first. I can go first. Uh, oh, no, no, I'm first. <laughs> doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You go, Lynn. <laughs> I have a bunch. I actually, I've up now my most pressing to th- my in the lowdown to three. I have so many pressing questions. Julie, you go first. Go ahead. Do okay. It. I need to know. Oh God. Your thoughts yeah. on Cristiano Ronaldo and <gasps> everything. Okay, just a little context for our non-soccer listening listeners. Everyone knows who Cristiano Ronaldo is. Cristiano Ronaldo is back at Manchester United. He didn't want to be there this year. He's there, and. He is not playing with the new manager, Eric Tenog, and he was going to get brought in at the end of the Tottenham game, and he basically was like, no, I'm not going in. And not only am I not going in, I'm going to leave the bench mm. while they're up 2-0 yeah. And, yeah. and bolt. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then come out with an Instagram statement where he doesn't actually say the word S-O-R-R-Y at all. Yeah. He just says, you know, just sometimes life gets the best of me. So here's what I think. I don't think he ever actually wanted to go back to Manchester United in the first place, Jules, last season, the season before, yeah. whenever he yeah. came back. Yeah. Um, it, there weren't a lot of other people up, you know, out right. there wanting him. He is on the wane. Um, well, he's 37. He, 37, he's still, of course, he is one of, if not the best player that's ever lived, but he, you know, it comes to us all. We all get creaky. I know he still looks amazing, but he's not going to be able, and also we all know that he only, he plays in a way where it's not a particular team game. You know, he's not a presser. He's not really a huge runner. He just wants to score goals. And if you scored 700 goals in your club career, you just want to score goals. It's about you. It's about Cristiano Ronaldo. I think that, um, in the, he, they should have let him go in the summer. I, According to various reports, he had an offer from Saudi Arabia for 130 million or something for a year, which he turned out fine. I mean, he doesn't want to play in Saudi Arabia. But if there were no other offers, he right. and United should have terminated the contract amicably and he could have, he would have been able to find somewhere else. This was always, always going to not work under Eric Ten Hag because of A, the way Ten Hag wants to play, yeah. B, where Ronaldo is right now in his career. And the way he has behaved is so disappointing. Like it's yeah. back to what I was saying about Teddy and role models. You know, I explained to Teddy what happened and and he he I just don't know what's going on in Teddy's little brain. I'm not sure whether Teddy's thinking, oh, maybe if I don't want to go on, I won't go on. I'll be able to walk down the tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. this is not okay. It's so he's so self-absorbed and self-obsessed that he actually walked out on a game when he was asked to go on. I mean, that is unheard of. It's While a While the team is playing great and up 2-0. Like, that, that's they, the... they just need to terminate the contract. They yeah. don't need to pay him up. They just need to say, you know what? We all agreed. We're all agreed. Let's just rip it up. You go your way. We'll go our way. This ain't ever going to work. And it's all about Ronaldo. It's not about the fact that they played brilliant against Tottenham and they got a really good result against Chelsea. It's still all about Ronaldo. Get him out the club. Ten Hag is trying to rebuild and he cannot do it while Ronaldo yeah. is still in the club. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I needed to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> These are the days of our lives. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. See? Yeah. I have three quick hits. Okay. What do Americans say to you about your accent where you where they think they're being clever, but you've heard it a hundred times before? Oh, God. Oh, Brooklyn. You're from Brooklyn. Oh, hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I'm from Brooklyn. The other one isn't them being clever, but they genuinely think, you're like, oh, whereabouts in Australia are you from? Okay. <laughs> Step away. Okay, I couldn't sound less like an Australian if I tried. Like, that is Australian, all right? I've had one South African over the last 10 years. I'm like, what? What? But on the whole, Americans think they're hilarious when they're like, you from Brooklyn? Just a Brooklyn. <laughs> wow, I've, I've literally never heard that joke. But hey, I'm just going to laugh the 7,000th time. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> In doing research for this interview, I 
realize we're about the same age. So I did the mental math and you Super were young. So, so young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were a teenager at the height of Spice Girls. Yeah. So what is your favorite Spice Girls song? Oh my God. I'm so, oh, favorite Spice Girls song? Yeah. yeah. Uh, two Becomes One. Mine too. Is it really? It's the two best Spice Girls song. song. Yes. Do you know that song, Julie? Uh, sing it for me. Let me hear it. Gonna make love to your baby. <laughs> La, 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 la. Apparently, it's... David Beckham saw Posh on the video for that song. Not that I was obsessed with them, by the way, t- twenty years ago. But apparently, yeah. I read it somewhere and was like, and he was sitting in his in his hotel room with was it Gary Neville and said, "I'm going to marry her." Pointed her out on the thing, "I'm going to marry," her. and they did. Look at them, bless their little hearts. Oh, and look yeah. at them. I yeah. feel like we had a moment that to become yeah to become one. It's such Great a song. good song. Yeah, my favorite as well. <laughs> <laughs> And if you clip off me singing it and put it on social media, I will end you. <laughs> I didn't even attempt it because it is a tough one to sing. It's a classic. It's a classic. I just yeah, this popped into my head. Eight hours oh. on TV. What is your go-to snack? Amazing question because we talk a lot about snacks on the show um, when we're not talking about football. In fact, I would say we talk mainly about food the whole day. Um, I love a good peppermint Luna bar. Have you had a peppermint Luna bar? Peppermint Luna? Bear addictive. I haven't had it. Oh, it's like ah. eating Christmas and you get a bit of protein and God knows what else, some sort of soy isolate or something. I don't know. But it's friggin' amazing. Get yourself a peppermint Luna, baby. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like beans on toast or something like well, that. Yeah, but that's not a snack. That's a full that's on a silver service meal. That's breakfast. Beans on toast. Ovs, yeah. Uh, Mike Chirico, full disclosure, when I said favorite thing about Rebecca. God. <laughs> goes, oh no. What did he Her her breakfast. Yeah. British breakfast mm. on on studio, yeah. on set. On, yeah. Well, I, I feel a bit slightly like Mariah Carey here because about five years ago, Robbie Musso and I were like, you know, we just can't do oatmeal anymore. I'm sorry. We're going to have to demand the green M&Ms. And while you're doing that, can we please get multigrain toast, butter on the side, hot beans, got to be Heinz in a separate bowl, some ketchup as well for me, not for Musty, and a cup of tea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm on air for seven hours. I need fuel. I need fiber. Sometimes yeah. musty yeah. can become gusty musty after having that beans on toast, but it's worth the risk. Uh, oh, okay. Goodness. Any more, Lynn? You're good. <laughs> got it. Okay, you got your three. The last thing we do, Rebecca, then we'll let you go, is um, high, Oof. low, cheer. I do this around the dinner table with my kids, high of their day, low of their day, and someone they cheer for, they celebrate, someone besides them. So you... For you, it's your high of your career, your low of your career, and the cheer is for someone you're grateful for who's helped you oh, along the way. Wow, what great question. Okay, high of my career, uh, I would, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a real toss up between two phone calls. One, one happened in 2012 when my agent called me and said, are you sitting down? And I was like, yes. And I was about six months away from giving up my career. And he said, NBC have called and they'd like you to be their studio host for the Premier League starting next season. And I'm like, obviously you've got that mixed up. So (laughs) do they mean sideline from England? He's like, no, studio host. And I'm flying to New York to hash out the deal. So that's one high. The other one, which is level with that, is when I got the phone call to say that I'd won the competition in 2002 to win the prize at the BBC to be a, for six months to be a soccer reporter, which was the beginning of my career. And I think right. probably that one would edge everything out because that was the beginning of it all. And it all came from this one phone call um, in 2002. Yeah, in fact, it was 20 years ago this week. Aww. Yeah, so that's high. <clears throat> and lots of other highs in between, but that were, those were the, the kind of those sliding door moments. And low of mm. my career, Low of my career would probably be after I did a game at Goodison Park in 2012 between Everton and Tottenham. Look up who were the managers. And the post-match interviews were so unpleasant with the managers, so difficult, so intimidating that I remember coming home and I sat in our front yard in our house in Wiltshire in England. And I said, I was on the phone to my dad and I said to him, this was 2012, I think, and I said to him, I think I'm done. 
I think I'm done. Mm. I can't be a woman in this world anymore. I can't mm. do it anymore. I'm wow. fed up of being spoken to the way I'm being spoken to. I cannot prove myself. I've done it for 10 years. I just don't know mm. I can do it. And I said the same thing to my husband. And I started in my mind, I even bought a book called How to Turn Your House into a B&B. I've never actually told anyone <laughs> that. I still have that somewhere because we had a few barns where we lived in the Cotswold. No and I was thinking, convert those and I'll do breakfast for people and do their laundry because that sounds like fun. And maybe open a coffee shop because I would actually still quite like to do that. Um, and that's what I'll do. I will, I'm done. I can't, I'm never going to get to where I want to get to. And I think that sitting on those steps, I remember where I was and saying to my husband and saying to my dad, I'm done, was a real low point. Wow. But the phone call from my agent came two months later. I know. And, and you still have the book? I still have the house. Yeah, if you need to turn your house into a B&B, I can definitely <laughs> send it to crazy. you. crazy. I know. I know. What, what kept you going for those two months? My contract. I had no choice. I had oh. nine months left of my contract. So I was just going to see that out. And yeah. by the summer, in summer of 2013, I was going to, uh, you know, start cooking eggs and bacon for all the people coming through. I know. Hey, you might do that in your retirement. I, sounds that like, sounds Jules, lovely. Let me tell you, I read the book or I started to read the book and it sounded like such hard work. I was yeah, like, you're oh like, oh my God, I can't do this. I want to go talk to David Moyes again. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> two, two managers to not be named until five minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 2012, in October. But other than that. <laughs> yeah. So that was my, what was that? What was that moment? What was that? My low? That was your low. Now okay. your cheer. And my cheer. So my cheer is for a man who sadly died last year mm -hmm. um, called Lance Hardy, who was the man who I have to say much of the lioness's success and uh, I would say, yeah, I would say success and journey is down to this guy. He works at the BBC. He championed women's football from the year Oh. Probably since you got, it was probably you guys in 99, actually, because it was the first major right. team that really punctured football in England, just the, the news of you guys doing what you did. He then championed women's football to the point to which um, it, he pushed the game onto BBC One and onto BBC Two. And he, he put Lucy Ward and um, all, these, all these women who had played right. the game, he put them into broadcasting roles. He right. believed in them. Um, and as a man... That was a, it wasn't a woman doing this. He held great gravitas. And then he was the one who chose me to win the competition. And he was the one who phoned me 20 years ago this month to tell nice me that I'd won. Party. And he backed me all the way. And Lance, just out of the blue, unfortunately died last year. And I, the one regret I have, oh, makes me want to cry, is that I didn't call him out the blue in the last five years and say, I mean, we were in touch, but I didn't make a point of saying thank you yeah. and that you changed my life because yeah. he did. And, but the, the silver lining, if there is one, is that I spent a couple of days phoning three or four people who had, have, have had big impacts on my career after Lance died because it yeah. made me realize that you need to say thank you when yeah. you can, because I can't to Lance, you know. So sorry to end on a bit of a low, but he is my man that I, mm. and person that I, that I champion for, for my career. Yeah. Mm. Lance Hardy. Yeah. Absolute legend. Yeah. 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 And you know what we don't do is give credit, I think, enough sometimes to the guys who are huge champions yeah, a good of, point. of women, right? That's and, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And thanking them. Uh, my friend, I love you so much. I'm so <laughs> happy to see where you are, what you're doing, and that you, um, are just such a presence in so many people's lives in such a great way. So thank you. Thank you, you so much. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. This has just been so lovely. I need some love. I never need another phone. I make love to you, baby. Go ahead. Go Go. Go. Best Spice uh, Girls song to become one. If you haven't heard it, ask Alexa or queued up on your Spotify. Yeah, I, I do really need to brush up on my my Spice Girl songs. Takeaways. What we got, Lynn? Thinking about when Rebecca said that she was ready to cash it in and open a B&B. &B, and then two months later, everything turns around. And just that mm. idea of oh, sometimes if you just hang on, if you just hang on, certainly there are times in life when you 100% need to walk away, uh, though it's evidence that also in life things can, can turn around. Mm. That, was, that was cool. And then 
Uh, I, for our interviews, I have a Nalgene water bottle that I, I sip throughout the entire, pretty much the entire episode. And shout out to Emily Harrington for introducing me to a Nalgene water bottle. If you haven't listened to that episode and that particular part where we talk about Nalgene water bottles, do yourself a favor, please go back and listen to that episode. But there was a moment while, while you and Rebecca were talking about something and I took a sip from my water bottle and I... <laughs> could not swallow because I knew if I was I was laughing so hard that if I swallowed I was going to choke (laughs) so for about it felt like for about 30 seconds I had water in my mouth as you You two you were gurgling I and I just I and I had to wait until the hilarity was over to swallow (laughs) that that's the type of episode this was and it was just it was so much fun oh it was fun I love her she is so good um, let's see, my takeaways, um, speaking of Nalgene water bottles, I would like to shout out to my kids that you gave me a Nalgene water bottle that they then lost right away. <laughs> Thank you, kids. <laughs> I know that there's about 700 moms listening to this who are like, word, know that, lose them every day. Um, my takeaways were, uh, yes, the one that literally she was months away from running a bed and breakfast <laughs> and thank the soccer gods for that one. Because although I'm sure Bex, you would have been great at running a bed and breakfast, the soccer world needed you. Um, so I thank the soccer gods for that one, for intervening. And my other takeaway is I have intense respect for people who can thrive in the crazy the calm in the crazy, because as you know, Lynn, as tension and chaos escalates on live TV, um, there are very few who can calmly adapt to that. And I love that she talked about that because it's yeah. such a great skill set in life yeah. to be calm in the crazy. Mm. Reps and prep, Rebecca mm-hmm. said. But also there, oh. is, there is a certain level of ability that very few people have, and she for sure has it. Yeah, it's a mentality. Okay, what do we got for questions for questions permitted? This comes via Instagram from Dr. McJobs. This is a great question. Dr. McJobs. How's the bidet working? A reference to the Toto. To the Toto. Thank you for asking, Dr. McJob. Uh, the Toto as I've told you all, is toto Lee. <laughs> I just made that up. Good one. <laughs> toto Lee, life-changing. Uh, my butt has never been cleaner. And good things happen when your bum is clean. In life. Really. Is that- it's really a metaphor for life. Clean bums, clean life. Good living. Um, so yeah, thank you. I maybe too much information. I apologize for that, but I will say, um, going back to my menopausal self that in the summertime with the warm heated seat, you know, Mm -hmm. the warm contoured seat became a little sweaty. I was like, gotta turn it off. But in the wintertime, yeah. when you got your winter woolies on, and all of a sudden you sit on that little seat, it's beautiful. But have not you, in the summer. Oof. Have you sat on a non-heated seat elsewhere in the world and been like, oh, it's just not the same? Uh, well, not until I, you know, experience the Toto. Then you don't, I mean, you really don't know what you're missing until you experience the warm contoured seat on yeah. a cold evening. And then, you know, ever since then, you're like, yeah, any cold place, you're like, if I only had my Toto. Yeah. My Toto. Maybe there can become a travel Toto down the line. <laughs> the travel Toto. What's that you- carry-on you have? It's my it's my travel Toto. <laughs> what if you just like, like kind of like a, a purse, you just wrapped it around <laughs> your shoulder, it became your... <laughs> Kind of like your aura ring. 
Speaking of, what's the? <laughs> it's Good my transition. Ring. Well done. Yeah. Well you. done. I'm a pro. Not your reps. first rodeo. It's, it's my. It's reps. What, what's the aura ring update? Did you? I, well, I, I'm saying that like I don't know. I yeah, do know. But I brought I, I brought you on this journey. What? Yes. So, uh, to give a, a little bit of background, I, I wear an aura ring that gives me a sleep score and readiness score every day. And Jenny Levy, head coach of UNC Lacrosse, during that episode, she said that she checks her metrics at the end of the day which I found interesting for her. It was this idea that if she didn't get a good night's sleep, she could look at the reading and say, oh, well, I still crushed this day, even though I got X amount of sleep. So I thought I which, would... Which, wait, time mm-hmm. out. For yeah. the record, had been my big issue with the ring. It's like, I don't want to know that I had a shitty night's sleep right when mm-hmm. I wake up. I don't want to know that I'm imbalanced or whatever it tells you. I don't want to know all those things because I want to just crush my day. Okay, okay. carry on. So I said I would give it a try. I lasted mm-hmm. a day, and you <laughs> challenged me to try it for at least three days to see mm-hmm. how it went. I, I did it for five. Wow. And I brought I you along I the that. journey. I screenshotted in the evening the, the, <laughs> the metrics, the information, and then, and then not only that, I broke down what it meant <laughs> as well. Right. Oh, yeah. So can I share with you what the experience was like? Yeah. I'm dying to know. I yeah. mean, you shared the numbers, but yeah. I, I never knew like how you were doing with it. Yeah, because I had it. It did take a. Well, actually, I take that back. I knew right away that I I didn't like I didn't like checking you at the end of the day, which is why after one day, I just was like, this isn't for me, because it felt messy. It felt like it wasn't helpful to get the information in the evening, and that it actually the information got more in my head in the evening than it does in the morning. I was thinking about it more at night before I went to sleep. Mm. And what I recognized is that there just are really specific things I've become interested in knowing because I've worn it since the summer of 2020. And there are certain things for me that are kind of like truth tellers. So if I look at my deep sleep number, it indicates factors, if you will, and factors that I can adjust was something I did recognize that I I want to adapt and adjust, bust a move, is I haven't focused on the readiness score as much as I have the sleep score. And my readiness score of late has been like, Lynn, you need to work in recovery time. You need to rest. I've been more focused on sleep than I have just taking a moment during the day to kind of chill Based on this whole experience, my commitment for the next week is every day to take 30 minutes and just break away from work and just do something rejuvenating. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's actually a really great idea in terms of just carving out a certain period every day to do something you want to do, which is hard. Yeah, because what I find is I just push. It's not a hard push necessarily, but it's just kind of this slow burn of consistently going through the day instead of just having a moment where it's, I was thinking maybe it's it's just sitting with a cup of coffee or reading something or mm-hmm. meditating for a little bit, that that is something I mm-hmm. haven't done. So I would be very curious if I dedicate a half hour to that every day if I'll notice mm-hmm. a difference. And I would be happy to screenshot <laughs> my readiness score over the next week for you. I'm still not getting an aura ring. No, thank you. Not my, that ain't, that ain't my jive. I cannot do that. I don't need that information. No, no, no. When I sent you the screenshots, what was your reaction? Too much f***ing information. (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally, my eyeballs rolled into the back of my head. I was like, oh, my God. I could not handle that. I I couldn't. I don't operate like that. I can't. Yeah, I can't. But some people people love that. I cannot operate like that. That's not at all my personality. 
Well, I would I would have thought that that was me as well. And as I said, what I've recognized is that there just are certain numbers that I can look to and, and it keeps me honest. And I also, in the last couple of years, went through a complete sleep hygiene evolution, revolution. Although I do wonder what it would feel like to take a to take a week off of it. So maybe that'll be later in the season that, that I'll just take the ring off completely. And just <laughs> go crazy. Let's get wild. All right. Thank you for sharing a good time with us again. We appreciate you. Yes. You listening right now hearing about Lynn's Aura Ring. And we also appreciate our sponsors, Ally and Dick Sporting Goods, of course, along with Kate Diaz, who wrote and composed our theme music. Until next week, remember, as always, kids, sing it with us. Laughter, Laughter permitted. permitted. I'm incredibly competitive, slightly sweaty, and very excited. Hey there, Dope Village. Give a listen to the CJ McCollum Show where every week New Orleans Pelican star C.J. McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA with inside perspective you can only get from someone in the locker room and on the floor. That's the C.J. McCollum Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast.